Hello, welcome to Truck Stop Murder and True Crime Podcast. I am Gary Howard, and hopefully everybody's doing good, and their New Year's is starting off pretty well. I am currently in Nebraska, in Big Springs, Nebraska, shut down due to the weather. But the case I'm talking about happened in the truck stop I'm going to be talking about is from is in Pennsylvania, but it's kind of happened between the, the people lived in West Virginia. But the truck stop I'm be talking about is in Pennsylvania. It's the closest one that I found near it. I I first started talking about the pilot in Morgantown, but I decided this was more closer to where the incident happened. But the girls I'm going to be talking about lived in Star City, West Virginia. So if you're a return listener, thank you for giving me another opportunity. If you are a new listener, let me tell you what I do. I'm a truck driver for Prima Express. I travel all 48 continental states, and during this time, I have to stay at truck stops for 10-hour breaks every day, and during this, or 34, wherever the case may be, and right now, it's probably going to be a 34 the way this weather is. I might be able to leave later on, but I don't know. I'm shut down in Big Springs, at the Flying J at Big Springs, Nebraska, so, but I stay there, so I talk about the truck stop. I talk about the reviews, what they're rated at, what's what's there to eat there how many parking spots is for trucks or rvs not a lot of truck drivers say only trucks should park there but screw it if you if you need to stop stop especially if there's a lot of spaces who cares but i also talk about murder slash crime to happen i've been covering a lot of murders but eventually i'll find i'll be in an area where there's just no murders hopefully but i really doubt it there's murder everywhere we live in a crazy times crazy country but anyhow, I'll talk about murder happened, talk about that. And if this is something what you enjoy, all right, awesome. And if not, well, sorry, but at least you gave me the opportunity to try it. But yeah, the truck stop I stopped at today, not today, I'm at the truck stop that I'm going to be covering is in Pennsylvania. And it's called the BFS, BF Truck Auto Plaza. It is in... Let's get the address for you. It's in the Mount, what am I talking like that? Mount Morris, Pennsylvania. The address is 106 Gas Company Road, Mount Morris, Pennsylvania. And overall, it has a 3.1 review of 11, 111 reviews. It's exit one, actually. So if you're going north on 76, first exit, I think it's 76. First exit you hit is right there so it says it has 50 spots at it but looking at the map i don't think so they have some truck has some showers there so if you need to wash your ass there you go wi-fi and all that good stuff so it's it's a smaller truck stop not like your pilots or flying jays or loves but it's decent you know probably the better ones to choose from because a lot of the truck drivers that i've you know been driving seven years i know a lot of them only park at Flying J's, Pilots, Loves, Petros, TAs, they usually stay at them. So you have all these smaller ones, which don't have all the amenities that uh, big ones have, but they, they have what you need. And like I said, this one has showers and food. They don't have no def, it looks like. Unless you buy the package def if you need that, which I'm now seeing. It does have scale, so if you need to scale your truck, there you go. It's pet friendly, Wi-Fi, all that good stuff. So it's not that bad, you know. Right now, in my time, it's 10:46. I'm in Mountain Time. 
but 19 hours ago somebody reported that there was some spots all this information that I'm giving you is from truckers paths and it looks like I am 1314 miles away from that location right now so I am not there so don't go there thinking oh man Gary's there no I'm not there I'm in Nebraska not if anybody would be looking for me but just in case if you are I'm in Nebraska right now not there but yeah let's see what if you get there if you're traveling through there leaving West Virginia actually escaping from West Virginia heading to Pennsylvania what can you eat at this place really not much you have a huddle house that's right within I try to stay within a quarter mile depending on where I'm at I might go out to a half a mile but a quarter mile just in case if you park and let's say if you want to walk here to these locations you gotta stay with a quarter quarter mile is a decent walking but you got the huddle house which is 65 feet if anybody don't know what a huddle house is it's kind of like a waffle house and pretty much identical just the name is different and you have the stuff that the truck stop the food store bfs food store has to offer probably like fried chicken and different fast food type stuff like that that you find at truck stops but that is it now if you want to go over that and say you want to drive you have a, one place the rising creek bakery is a bakery that's with like 0.7 miles away so just probably like a looks like a family restaurant type stuff after that the closest one is like 5.7 miles away so you kind of limited what you eat but let's see what truck drivers think of this place this is a 3.1 star review out of five like i said 111 reviews 3.6 on the food three on the parking three on the showers and 3.6 on the service so let's see what people think of this place this guy i'm not going to say the names because a lot of the names is either a nominous user or this one's q7vpu5xhkd which probably means something and i'm just too old or dumb to figure it out but we'll just talk about the reviews but he gave it a four star review he says dope little place to stop if before 5 p.m should find parking easy deep in the back there are drop trailers i'm guessing our local drivers so it's less parking looks pretty clean for the most part seven dollar showers and ample food options as i said it's not maybe at the truck stop there's ample food options but if you don't want anything besides huddle house and you're pretty limited another four star review very good here's another four star four star review huddle house was great the store had some other food options could find parking after 4 p.m a lot of over oversized guys found places in the park in the back lot seems you make the front row the back must let me start again seems you make the front row the back must always be full i'm reading verbatim as they say it on here bathrooms was a bit outdated full bars service for verizon so if you have verizon you're good to go there two dollars here goes a two star 369 for diesel restrooms were disgusting and with a little throw up emoji can't only imagine what the showers in the kitchen look like four star review good here's first one five star review that's not been four but it says excellent okay four. it's okay small lot but you can find or make a spot it has a huddle house from 6 a.m to midnight so there you go 
And here's another guy gave a three-star review. His only complaint is nasty restrooms, which if you go to some of these small truck stops, so yeah, they don't have the cleansiness because they don't have the, probably the staff to run it. A lot of times they run with skeleton crews. So a lot of times, yeah, the bathrooms are not the best for sure. Where like pilots were, even some of the big ones are pretty nasty at times if you find yourself in there. But they, they're pretty good about cleaning. But these little ones are not very, I've been in some that just, I think I'd rather just take a shit underneath my trailer and go in these places. <laughs> but anyhow, back to reviews. Three star, very nice little place. Not the best, but not the worst. I've seen places you can fit a rock truck in the potholes. Okay, yeah, I've seen places like that too. Nice lot here. Matter of fact, there's one in um, Arkansas. Well, yeah, I'm excited. I used to park there. I was right north of West Memphis, Arkansas, where you could fit a Volkswagen in some of these potholes. I just quit going to there. Then there's one in Texas that's the same way. I don't think they fixed them, but if it's at nighttime, don't even. And you with these low profile trucks, I would even go in that truck stop if I were you. I covered this in one of my episodes in the past. I can't remember which one. Robin Hood truck is right there in Texas along 20, I believe, right when you leave Louisiana. But yeah, if you're driving through there at night, you can almost guarantee that you could you're gonna mess up your body, you know, your ground effects on your truck because the potholes are so big and you can't see them until you're already in it. Okay, so another one star. Here's a one star review. Just as terrible, but why is it terrible? Just as terrible. Okay, shampoo. Here's the user's name. One star review. Store and restaurant closed for maintenance. Doesn't say for how long. This was January, February, March, April 27th to 21. Okay, well, I'm. Let's two more reviews. This guy left pictures. Nice place, a lot of room to park. Unfortunately, many spots occupied lo by local company as a storage. Long-term drop trailers. I pulled 2 a.m. and could park on the side of the road. I and had to park on the side of the road. Nobody bothered me. Restaurant is great. Had a good meal for average price. Men's room needs some attention. Uh, so let's see what pictures he took. And what it looks like, it just looks like bunch of trash on the road that's new ground a lot of these, that's another thing a lot of these and they wonder a lot of truck drivers wonder why do some of these truck stops charge for parking at first i was kind of upset i was like well, yeah why we're bringing business to them but then you start looking at some of the parking lots and especially the outskirts of the parking lot they are nasty the truck drivers just throwing all their trash i've seen some areas where if they're hauling produce and they have overage or they get the, the load rejected they'll just dump it all in the back right in the grass just leave it there don't even open up the packages last time i saw one somebody unloaded like about three pallets of celery it was a mess but anyhow there you go there's the truck stop now on to my case now keep in mind i try to be you know i don't say anything bad about the victims or anything like that so if i ever do please let me know so i could change that and correct that issue but i tried to be courteous so here you go today we're going to talk about the murder of skylar annette niece yes skylar annette niece was born to mary and david niece on february 10th 1996. she was often described as intelligent compassionate and stubborn but bubbly skylar was only was the only child 
She grew up and went to elementary school in Cheat Lake, West Virginia, a census-designated area northeast of Morganton. Like I said, they lived in West Virginia, but like I said, when the truck stop was in Pennsylvania, not too far right over the border. This is like right south of the border. And the truck stop was right north, so obviously. So when Skyler was in second grade, she had met Sheila Eady as a at a community center, Shack neighborhood house. Right outside Morganton, Sheila was born September 29th, 1995. Two was she also too was the young only child to Tara and Greg Eady. Despite the fact that Sheila lived in Blacksville, 20 miles west of Morganton, the two girls immediately became friends. So they went to different elementary schools. But while living in Blacksville, Sheila also had ties to Brave, another city, a census designated area of around a few hundred people and a few miles west of Blacksville, part of the Rust Belt region. Blacksville and Brave have been improvised by mine closures over the years. So that's, hap that's with a lot of West Virginia. West Virginia was probably really built on mining, coal mining, and if you want to see a funny sight, just one of the girls who watched the Wild and One for West of West Virginia. One time, I, I'm not even going to try to talk like this woman, but she mentioned about all the coal mines. We could drop a body off there. Nobody will ever see it again. It's hilarious. She, go check that out. But yeah, she, Sheila's father had been seriously injured in a car accident that left him partially disabled and unable to work. The parents divorced in 2000 when Sheila's mother, Tara, remarried to James Clendon, C-L-E-N-D-E-N-E-N, Clendon, the family moved to Morganton, and Sheila and Skyler finally teamed up in the freshman in, as freshmen in high school. University High was what the name of school. So in October 2010, many noted that Sheila, or rather, her new stepfather because suddenly four things that she could only have dreamed of a few years earlier and some have claimed that she used her sexuality to become more popular in a new environment having left most of her friends behind in Blacksville however other students say people started talking unfavorably unfavorably about Sheila of Sheila only after about after her arrest. Now I couldn't find what she was arrested for. Probably some kind of, probably drug possession, marijuana. What it, I couldn't find since it was in her juvenile record. So a lot of them you can't really find. So she seems to have been highly regarded among the boys than girls. So the so and that feeling was mutual. Sheila was it the only one moving close to Morgantown. Soon after Skyler's freshman year, her family moved from. Stones Path townhouses in Cheat Lake to Star City, a tiny city enclosed in the city of Morganton, like a little suburbs of Morganton, right there by the Mangohola River. I, I, I wonder if I said that name right. M O N O N Gala G A H E L A River. A university high school, the two met the red haired Rachel Schoff. Schoff. So the, the, the triad of girls are complete, what makes up this story. So your typical of somewhat gifted aspiring actress and singer, like Skylar and Sheila, she too was the only child. Born June 10, 1996, and like Sheila, her parents, Patricia and Rusty, too had divorced. She also was very religious, being an active participant in her young life. 
Young Life activities and having attended to St. Francis Catholic School before going to University High School. So I'm assuming that the school did not have high school facilities, just probably from kindergarten to eighth grade. So the three started hanging out together and getting into trouble, drinking and smoking weed and breaking curfew, just being as kids do. In retrospect, parents and friends of both Skylar and Rachel have claimed that Sheila's was a bad influence. Skylar's cousin Kyle described Sheila as a bad seed. Some of Skylar's friends avoided hanging out with her when she was with Sheila, whom they described as mean and controlling. Rachel's friends had similar reservations about Sheila, whom they blamed for the changes in Rachel's personality and behavior. Nevertheless, Skylar had no intentions of breaking up the trio or her relationship with Sheila. A friend she looked up to, Rachel's reason for staying with Sheila are less obvious. She was more of a relative affluent family and thus more popular. So she didn't she didn't really need so she was popular on her own. She really didn't need Sheila. A lot of people think that Skylar was drawn to her for the popularity. But yeah, a friend she looked up to Rachel is probably the reason why. Rachel's reasons for staying with Sheila are less obvious. She was a relative affluent family. I'm reading that again. But more popular, she didn't need Sheila for her status. Perhaps she simply liked the fact that with Sheila, she was able to do things, including intimate things, and that she could not do with those friends who she shared religions. So what's going on there? We'll get to later on what I mean about that in the story. So despite Sheila being often described as the root of all evil, it was Rachel entering the picture that caused the group dynamics and loyalties to shift. So I guess she completed the Voltron, as some people call it. <laughs> For a while, everything seemed to be going fine, even great, until the sophomore year. Scholar was put into an uncomfortable position. This is what I was talking about. During a sleepover in late summer 2011, she watched Sheila and Rachel have drunken sex. And of course, since she, the sleepover ended with Skylar and Sheila arguing, a rift began. The girl between a rift, a fight, you know, a rivalry, can you say, between Skylar and Sheila. They argued all the time while Sheila and Rachel were going closer. Now, I told a story to this, you know, was talking to somebody about this, and they're like, well, why didn't she just leave? Of course, keep in mind, she was 16 years old. If she was over and they'd been drinking, she was afraid that she was going to get in trouble for drinking. So she just stayed there and just watched. So Skylar started to feel excluded from. So often, I said, because once it started, Sheila and Rachel would dress alike, leaving Skylar to agger out. Both Sheila and Rachel were sexually active and had boyfriends. While in this group, Skylar came off as an immature little sister who just had to tag along. But who also knew the girl's little secret. Skylar hinted at this on Twitter several times. By the way, these girls were very active on social media and their pages are still up. So as such on like a September 6, 2011, she tweeted, I'll tell the whole school all the shit I have on everybody, which is a lot. L-O-T-T-T-T-T hashtag if I can only get away with it. Arguments on on Twitter, often on Twitter, between Skylar and Sheila continued to worsen. A tipping point came when in June 2012, Skylar and Sheila spent their entire one-week trip 
in Myrtle Beach where they should be having a good time, but they just spent the whole time arguing. When they got home, Sheila told Rachel, Sheila told Rachel that Skylar must die. So this is when they start really plotting against her. So Sheila calls the murder. Sheila call for murder did not come out of the blue. Fellow students and a teacher at the university high school overheard the girls discuss best ways to dispose of a body in October 2011. Given that it was during a biology biology class focusing on forensic science, and that a body had been found behind the school only some weeks earlier which i tried to find who this was and i could not find no information i know i was in the in the i read a book on this one beauty little beauties and it said it on said it on there i'll put a link to the book if you want to read it in the show notes but yeah it seemed like the you know i could not find who it was but yeah they found a body so they were discussing about that talking about that it seemed that the girls topic hardly seemed to be out of place but according to those because they used to play a, a game like what would you rather die would you rather get shot or would you rather get suffocated then the answer to the question it'd be like will you be suffocated or drowned this is just a game so nobody really thought anything about it but corner them who were there the girls specifically was trying to figure out how to get rid of skylar when the conversation was relayed to Skylar, she just ignored it, saying it was just a game they've been playing. Even so, the confronted they she confronted the girls about their conversation, but they assured her that it was nothing. But that wasn't the only warning sign. In spring of 2012, worried that Skylar might blackmail them, Rachel told another student, "I wouldn't mind if she died." According to Marcia Eshdam, the case prosecutor, which later on. It was, of course, I'm not giving away because this is called truck stop murder, but who's going to get murdered? We'll find out. It was the spring when the girls first started seriously planning the murder of her for their friend. Of course, by now you should probably know what happens, but let's continue. A half-jokingly blurted, we should kill her during a science class was followed by the girls nodded in argument, agreement. Still, despite all the dysfunction, the group continued to hang out together, and while Skylar was painfully and regretfully aware of the state of their friendship with Sheila, she's still best friends with them. She had no idea what was coming. Yep, she had no idea what was coming, but a storm, a Catholic church where Rachel was supposed to go to an event, a camp, a church camp, but a storm, a storm has post, had postponed the Catholic church camp that Rachel was supposed to attend in July of 2012 knowing she would be gone for two weeks Rachel told Sheila they have to go ahead with their plans before that on Thursday July 5th Skylar, Skylar got home from her work at Glenmark Center she worked at the Wendy's she got home around 10 p.m. she talked to her parents a little bit she kissed her parents goodnight and went to her bedroom around midnight Sheila and Rachel either called or texted her asking for a little joyride which at this point, I don't know why she did with all that, everything that's been going on, but she trusted them. So she, Sheila parked the car about right next to Nisa's apartment on Fairfield Street. And Skylar had become a little habit. She would sneak out of the room, placing a little small bench right outside the window so she'd get back in. And joined the two girls, unbeknownst to Skylar, the trunk of Sheila's car contained a shovel, you know, fresh clothes, towels, and bleach for cleaning. Sheila and Rachel had originally planned to follow Route 7 
west to Caskville and continue towards Blacksville. However, a police car parked near the intersection. Keep in mind, neither one, I don't think any of them had driver's license, what I've read in one place. Of course, they had weed on them, everything. They did not want to get, plus they wanted to, you know, deteriorate from their plans, of course. But yeah, so they, they at the intersection linking to Route 19 and Route 7, scared them off. They then took, they then took the alternative route north through Mount Morris, did it headed west towards Blacksville. Roughly two miles west of Blacksville on a road near Brave, the girls turned north, crossed some railroad tracks, and drove into Morris Run Road, a lonely one-lane back road. Uh, the road was familiar to all th all these girls, you know, all three of the girls. They have driven it many times in the past to smoke weed. It was like their regular hangout place, and also it's not far from Edie's father's, who lived on Edie's Run Road, a parallel road of Morris Run Road. So they're familiar, kind of like the road that my, my episode of Lillian murders. But the difference is these girls knew this road where them assholes do not know. If you have not heard that, go check it out. It's a family who got killed by some, by six young kids who was just traveling the United States and needed a different van, and a different vehicle. I won't say much more than that. Go check it out. Two episodes ago, I believe. It was the first episode I did, Freeform, which I had planned on doing. Whenever I stopped and I realized it wasn't, you know, not reasonable that I could not do that. It's just too much research. So, but yeah, check that out. That was right there in Tennessee. But yeah, Sheila parked the car on a spot about a mile into the road. They chatted for a while and when Skylar started walking towards the car to pick up a ladder that they had forgotten. Because they're about to smoke weed. And the girls counted to three. And on the pre-raid signal started stabbing Skylar with knives they had hidden in their hoodies. Skylar tried to run, but she was tackled by the five foot eight Rachel. So yeah, by the way, Skylar was not that tall. I've seen pictures of her, and she was probably like about five foot tall. She was definitely a lot shorter than Rachel and Sheila. So Skylar managed to grab the knife from Rachel and fight back, inflicting a cut on Rachel's ankle, but was overpowered by the two girls stabbing her repeatedly. At this point, what, there are different stories that both girls stabbed them. But according to Rachel later on, she said after she got stabbed, she actually stopped and Sheila continued with the stabbing. Of course, the two girls then stood over her watching her die. And in the dying moment, she could only whimper why. So she did not know why these girls were doing it. And to this point, you know, there's different stories, but we'll get into that in the trial. Sheila Rachel had planned to bury Skylar, but the ground turned out to be too rocky for their shovels. Instead, they moved her body next to a big tree and covered her with rocks and branches. After washing himself in a creek, Morris Run, where I was telling you about the, that runs right behind that site, the girls disposed of their body clothes, knives, so, so they got naked. And on some situation areas, with <laughs> And some places I researched said they actually had sex right after they changed. They got naked, had sex, then got put on the clean clothes and disposed. And knives, but Skylar turned off. Let me start again. The girls disposed of their bodies, clothes, and knives, but left Skylar's phone off. They turned off her phone, left it there by her body. So they weren't able to track it since it was off. 
all this took a few hours and the girls went back home at dawn only shortly after this it is demonstrated of you know you know in her narcissism arrogance and social media addiction she tweeted at 909 909 a.m says always keep your cool and that was sheila who did that so what's going on at the schuyler denise's house so schuyler's parents had left for the work early in the morning on july 6th the friday soon miss schuyler was still in her bed her father dave came home around midday so that schuyler could borrow his car for the shift at wendy's however no one was at home and the door to schuyler's room was locked from inside dave didn't notice a small bench outside and the window screen had realized that she had you know opened realized Skylar had snuck out at some point during the previous night he immediately called sheila to find out if she has been in contact with Skylar. she admitted to having talked to Skylar on the phone around midnight but hadn't seen her soon after mary Skylar's mom got home a manager at wendy's called asking about Skylar's whereabouts with the situation seeming more serious in the minute the nieces called the police the phone rang again this time it was sheila calling back because the first time sheila said that she had not seen her so this time she was calling back and men that she and rachel in fact did see her and they had went joyriding around morgan with skylar the previous night according to her they had picked up skylar around 11 p.m and returned her home at the end of the street less than an hour right before midnight soon sheila and her mother tara arrived at the niece's apartment one to Help the Schuylers. The Edies and Mary went from house to house on one side of Crawford Avenue where they lived at, while Dave and officers from Star City Police Department took care of the other side, asking the neighbors if anybody had seen Schuyler. Mary then re remembered that the building had a security camera installed sometime earlier. The landlord let the group into the, the tiny room where they, the, they housed the surveillance equipment. On the surveillance video, they saw Schuyler get into a car at 12.31. This car had parked on Fairfield Street right next to the niece's apartment. None of the individuals looking at the grainy footage recognized whose car it was. If it was Edie's car, who it was. But it was a, they could tell, kind of tell it was a silver Toyota Camry, but they weren't for sure. In fact, the landlord referring to the vehicle on the, the vehicle on the video as a SUV. Now, suspect, you know, Sheila's story, you know, suspicious about Sheila's story, since she says they dropped her off before 12. This was at 12.31, according to the timestamps, so they didn't even bother rewinding to see if she had indeed picked up Skylar earlier than two hours. So they are a shabby job before Skylar used so the unknown vehicle, so they didn't even look. Considered the video as evidence, the officer suggested that nieces give it a few days that Skylar had likely ran away from with somebody voluntarily and was likely to come back. While the nieces knew Skylar would never do such a thing, they wanted to believe she had for the alternative seemed the worst. They they, th they were thinking about the worst of it all because they know that girl. That's what a lot of times it baffles me where the police, when you do miss in person, police don't worry about it. Seems like the parents know the child. If, if there's no way the child will do this, then just listen to the parents. But yeah, the tiny star, the tiny, <laughs> the tiny star city police department assigned officer Jessica Colbank to the case. The FBI also, FBI was also involved almost immediately due a possible link to an earlier missing person, which I might cover one day. Aaliyah, 
Aliyah, A-L-I-A-Y-A-H, Lunsford case, a missing girl. She was a three-year-old who ended up missing from her bedroom. And they're still, still cannot find her, still unsolved. Thus, the FBI was already there, so FBI agent Morgan Spurlock joined the coal bank for an investigation. The two interviewed Sheila on July 9th. Sheila merely repeated what she had told him earlier about picking up Skylar at 11 p.m. and dropping her off at the end of the Crawford Avenue less than an hour later. However, Cole Bank later described Sheila's behavior as narcissistic and wrong. Sheila also seemed more curious about the investigation than worried about her missing friend. Cole Bank also found it strange that they dropped Skylar off such a long way from the apartment, but Sheila simply said that Skylar had insisted they do so so not to wake up her parents. Colbank also noticed Sheila's silver car and considered the possibility that that car would be what she saw on the video. So the next day, Colbank called Rachel, who pretended not to have even heard of Skylar's disappearance. She had left a church camp on July 7th, but had spent July 6th boating on Cheat Lake with her mother, Patricia, and her mother's friend, Kelly Kearns. Kelly Kearns. Both had noticed a cut on Rachel's ankle. It was agreed that Rachel would show up to face-to-face interview once she got back from camp, but she never showed up. When Cole Bank later got a chance to interview Rachel face-to-face, she showed that, told the exact same story as Sheila, that they had dropped Skylar off at the end of Crawford Road at one point and uh, intersects with University Avenue, where right there, right by the same place as Sheila told them, right not about a block down the street from their apartments. Then their next that their stories matches such a degree of suspicious that it was rehearsed. Nevertheless, was, there was nothing they could do officially as Skyler was seen voluntary getting in the car. She would consider a runaway and thus the state police refused to issue Amber alert. No family member, friend, or Skyler considered it likely that she had simply just ran away. I said it seemed like they would know her better than the police, but they just run away it looks like she got in this car voluntarily so there's nothing we could do about it just give us some time and see what happens but not only would it have been the total out of character of her like everybody would say but she also left her contact lenses and phone charger at home not to mention the bench and the open window she you know it looked like she was definitely going to be coming back and that was, was her intention to do so so the school started the school year started on august 16th, but Skylar had not returned home yet and would have been her junior year in high school. The investigation seemed going nowhere. After an outburst at the Star City by her mother at the Star City Police Department August 24th, Mary contacted the state police who immediately took the case if they haven't already been looking at it. So Corporal Ronnie Gaskin and senior trooper Chris Berry at the state police have been investigating a series of bank robberies in Blacksville, not too far from where this happened. One bank had been robbed a month before Schuyler's disappearance, another 10 days after. So the troopers heavily considered the possibility that Schuyler's disappearance might have something to do with them, which again, I looked that up too and just got run around Google internet, couldn't find really nothing really substantial about it. So. Let's continue on with Skylar Niece, not the bank robberies. <laughs> so when they learned that the younger brother of one of the suspects was romantically involved with Sheila and also known Skylar, Dylan Conway, who was 
interviewed as a person of interest and remained as such all the way to the end, but he had nothing to do with what happened to Skyler. Of course, we know that. But warrants were issued to seize means of electronic communication from Sheila and Rachel on September 3rd. Gaskins and Barry also reviewed the surveillance tape several times before finally figuring out Sheila never. They looked at the whole tape. They went back to the time where Sheila and Rachel said they picked them up into everything. So they looked at everything, unlike the Star City Police Department. But they'd never seen anything happen at 11 p.m. First one was like 12.30, where she, the initial video was saw Skylar leaving the apartment. So the troopers combed through western parts of the states, the western parts, more specifically the area including the back roads around Blacksville. They also were able to gather evidence from security cameras around the city to call into questions the timeline of the girls that they had given them. So in November, a federal grand jury convened in Clarksburg with the three girls. So this is a separate case altogether for some reason. Friends, you know, subpoenaed to appear before the jury. No one could quite figure out what it was all about. But it was had something to do. Records had kept it secret, so nobody knows. For her statements for them, subpoena indicated that mostly it was drug trafficking in Blacksville. So now they're considering that it's drug-related. Of course, the rumor mills was going crazy that she might have had overdosed, that she ran away, that she overdosed, and the girls had seen it. But there was just being the core. But of course, Chrissy was another. This girl right here, Sheila's district. Let's go over this. I wasn't going to talk about this, but since it's part of the story, but yeah, they were subpoenaed. But those summoned indicate that it was mostly about drug trafficking in Blacksville, but also about Skyler and the bank robberies. One of the subpoena teens was Chrissy Swanson, Sheila's distant cousin. After proceed, this is why they're kind of connected all together. She called Tara to reassure her about the nature of the hearing and so and at that point Tara mentioned that Sheila had admitted through her attorney Michael Benninger that she Rachel and Skylar had been in Brave on a night of experience so because of this all it kind of put her in that area it is unclear why Sheila had deviated from the original story but it probably was in response to the authorities having poked holes in their joyriding plan around Morganton so Chrissy then called Sheila, who was with Rachel, to reassure them that everything was okay and that Tara was just another pawn and, you know, left in doubt. Wait, let me see. But Tara had said that about Brave, they had left them in doubt. They didn't know. So they were kind of connected to it. So that brought it out that they were in the area. And if that's confusing to you, I'm sorry. Confusing to me too. But somehow it's part of the story. But it, that really brought out the story showing because before they were not saying they were, they were just talking about they were in Morganton and nowhere else. But because of this trial with the drug related, she had opened up saying that they were in that town that night. But of course, Chrissy was just another pawn in Sheila's game. Sheila had been had from the beginning tried to assert herself into an investigation by manipulating others. She cried on Scholar's bed not many days after having murdered her. You know, as a means to get on Anissa's good side. She distributed missing person posters person posters around town to give the appearance of a good friend. She inquired about the she on the nieces, you know, inquired about with an investigation through the nieces and then the police told nieces that they shouldn't tell her anything because she was the person the suspect at the time because she was the last person who saw him, of course, and she's the 
one who knows more than she's willing to tell. She stated using others to spy on her. So since they weren't talking on her, the nieces were told don't talk to Sheila no more. So she started using other friends to find out information. As most people do, they try to put themselves too much involved in it. Sometimes if they would just step aside and let it go, imagine how many people would actually get away with this. But a lot of people who murder or they just want to get involved. But meanwhile, rumors were spreading in the Halls University High. Maybe Skylar, back to what I was saying, I had overdosed. And the girls had left her somewhere in panic. Sheila and Rachel seemed to be spending even more time together and didn't seem too bothered by their best friend's disappearance. On their social media accounts, there was a few sporadic mentions, sporadic mentions of Skylar's were whenever it seemed convenient. As the rumors intensified, so did taunting harassment of the girls, even if both could count on several, let me start again, kept on several friends who remained. So they only had a few friends who remained loyal to them. A lot of people trying to figure out what happened to Skylar. You saw Daniel H-O-V-A-T-T-E-R Havater, an old friend of Skylar's and co-worker at Wendy's was persistent with and kept begging Rachel, who was in the same drama class as him. Anonymous Twitter accounts were also popping up everywhere, harassing the girls about what you know, what you, you know, what do you know, where is Skylar? Just kept harassing her. And because of all this harassment, everything at Skylar's length, Rachel started to break down. Skylar, I mean, Sheila was staying strong to it. She was, she was more of the, like I said, I think because of her attitude, everybody said she was just, she stayed to the story, but Rachel could not handle it no more. So she started breaking down. In fact, during this time, they also started homeschooling because the questioning and the harassment got so intense. Yeah, she started breaking down. So Sheila was trying to assert herself in the investigation. Rachel tried her best to get away far as possible, far away from it as possible. From everything related to Skylar, while Sheila was, you know, crying with her, her nieces and pretending to be helpful, Rachel was nev- never visited Skylar's parents at all. All the harassment from, from the authorities over other students starting to take a role on Rachel's mental health, like I said. And when she started started to show signs of falling apart, for example, by sobbing in front of Sheila, and Sheila, for no other, had no response, but showed his weakness from her, as she Sheila would say. Maybe such arrogance prevented Sheila from seeing her master plan falling apart but she stayed to it so she thought she did the perfect crime and she did not see as as those rachel did having established with cell phone records and security camera footage with that the girls had been near blacksville that night and the scholar had been texting with the girls when she was supposed to be where when she was supposed to be let me see and then tyler had been texting with the girls when she was supposed to be according to the girls initial story joyriding with them the authorities probably helped push rachel into changing her story now she claims skylar had ran off in the woods near brave and that she and sheila had been unable to find her sheila changed her story to match rachel's only after she learned rachel had changed her changed hers polygraphs from the girls were then were arranged for mid-december around the time sheila took hers at the state police department she failed Rachel was supposed to meet up with her attorney, on, but before the, before the polygraph, good lawyer, didn't go to polygraph, 
but while on her way there, she jumped out of her father's car and ran away all the way to the office, her lawyer's office. Actually, Tara's investigating officer. So on December 16th, with Christmas approaching and Skylar not any closer coming home, Mary posted a long, detailed message to Facebook. The post detailed the various steps that had been taken so far by law enforcement and the community in order to find Skylar. Mary also implicated, called, you know, in, insinuated that Sheila and Rachel out for lying, t- you know, pointed out they're lying, and beautifully mentioned the possibility that Skylar might have been murdered. After all, if Skylar had been a victim of an accident, why come fo- Why not come forward? And both girls have failed to do so. You know, even if they, they said, if you do so, we'll, you know, she would even said full immunity if it was an accident. She didn't say if she murdered them. But if it was an accident, just tell us where our girl's at and we'll give you full immunity. No problem with what the police was saying. So to better exert control of Rachel's increasingly erratic and aggressive behavior and to keep her away from Sheila and Tara, Patricia and Rusty had decided to have Rusty move in with them. Rusty's place in South Park had been a sanctuary for Rachel who often fought and sometimes violently with her strict and temperamental mother. Moreover, living with Rachel, Rusty had allowed her to see Sheila more often. Rachel was unaware of her parents' plan, but when she and her mother were coming home on December 28th from a Christmas holiday in Virginia, it was the jig was up as soon as they got in the driveway. Rachel started running and around the neighborhood screaming, you're ruining my life. This is when she really broke down. As the conversation confrontation <laughs> I was having trouble the first time I recorded that for some reason I was have a hard time trying to say that word the confrontation I'm still having confrontation confrontation moved inside matter of fact that's the reason why I just deleted the last episode and I don't hear nobody say delete this one go fuck yourself but anyhow no you're listening to me don't and made this far don't go fuck yourself thank you for sticking around <laughs> moved into the driveway this is why I need a co-host a reliable one i'm having trouble doing that but yeah so the driveway is escalated into a physical altercation between rachel and patricia eventually rachel barricaded herself in a room and threatened to kill herself the police soon arrived and rachel was taken to chestnut ridge a psychology a hospital in morganton psychiatric hospital morganton while there while there sheila grew nervous and tried to get a hold of her because of course we Rachel's breakdown so she was trying to get a hold of her but her family Rachel said nobody and just family so she tried many times try to get in but was rejected every single time so Rachel was released from Chestnut five days later on January 3rd her parents immediately drove her to her attorney's office in downtown Morganton where our interview had been arranged with Corporal Gaskins one of the officers and a federal polygraph examiner their review had originally been arranged for the 29th, but Rachel's breakdown had post- postponed it. The investigators had wanted to have an interview with her as soon as Rachel got out to prevent Sheila from getting hold of her first. So they, you know, get their story straight or just kind of arrange it, try to figure out what they're going to say. Rachel, but when she, as the questions, just a few questions in the interview, Rachel uttered the words, we stabbed her. Having expected something along the lines of she overdosed, the truth shocked everyone in the room. Rachel told them what happened, and they had picked Skylar up after midnight, drove her to a remote back row near Brave, stabbed her to death, and buried her body. 
when asked why they did that, the only thing they could come up with is that we didn't like her anymore. Now, stories would come later on. Like I said, they, that's what they told the police. But a lot of people really think that because of their little sexual lesbian act that the two girls, Rachel and Sheila, was afraid that Skylar was going to tell everybody about them. But it was agreed that Rachel would take them to the body immediately. The investigators, Rachel herself and attorney, drove to in two cars crossing the state into Pennsylvania where they arrived at the location where Rachel said she had killed Skylar. It was too snowy that Rachel could not pinpoint the exact point where they had buried her in the snow. So they had no evidence beyond Rachel's word, which she was already lying to him at first, so why well, believe him now? So knowing Sheila would be anxious to meet up with her buddy, they put Rachel's room on her electronic surveillance and had her set up a meeting with Sheila. Unfortunately, Rachel was not able to extract anything incriminating from her, so Sheila posted on her Twitter page a picture of the two, which was rather revealing on Rachel's conditions, of Rachel's conditions. So two weeks later, on January 16th, the investigators, like I said, their pages are still up. So if you want to look these two girls up on Twitter and just see their timelines and everything they had to say through that, you could you could do all that. I, if I I'm going to, I might no yeah I might put it up on my notes. We'll see. Two weeks later on January 16th, the investigators returned to the spot at the same time with a canine at the this time with a canine unit. The snow mostly melted while the dog's handler was picked up on a GPS was picking up a GPS that falling off the dog so they lost the G so what kind of police <laughs> but yeah they had a GPS on the dog collar but it fell off so but he noticed when he found a GPS tracker he noticed the remains of a let me see he noticed skeletal remains under a pile of branches six months after she appeared Skylar had finally been found during the following months Keep in mind, they still have not arrested Rachel. They didn't really believe her because she had already been lying everything else. So they probably thought it was just some kind of wild goose chase to bring her to somewhere where there's not a body. But they, so it was just here. Now they have a body. So during the following months, Rachel was allowed to roam free while the investigators were gathering evidence, not only against her, but particularly against Sheila, who had not and would never admit to the crime unless cornered. Sheila must have received a warning from her attorney or somebody else for she and Rachel were barely in touch following the January 3rd meeting. So they were not talking. She tweeted that morning after the meeting, first time I've ever been completely speechless, she said, followed by holy fuck. On the very next day, on January 4th, investigators surprised Sheila and her family by serving a search warrant to seize every knife in the house and Sheila's car. Forensics investigators going in and out of a remote back room near Edie's family land in Pennsylvania could not be kept hidden from Sheila for long, or the public. So she could, Sheila, you couldn't keep it. All the police going in and out of Rachel's house, you cannot hide it. So public for the matter, a few local newspapers mentioned that a body had been found in Wayne Township, Greene County. While nothing specific about the body was mentioned, Sheila would now have known that Skylar's body had been found and that Rachel, in all likelihood, had led them to him, to her. One anonymous harassment account on Twitter tweeted, on the morning Skylar's was, was found, it says, 
the tweet was sky is so gloomy today with a frowny like if you put like the marks was like a frowny not a emoji but just a frowny space so both girls had also been homeschooled for the remainder of the school year like i said not just to protect other students what they thought but from also to protect them from other students both maintained the appearance of normalcy with sheila struck watching return you know she was stuck at home watching reruns of law and order special victims unit and tweeting about being bored and rachel getting back with her boyfriend while she may have been trying to convince herself what well, my speaking may have tried you know williams chatner while she may have been crying to convince herself the past passes past trying to convict herself the past is past and that she has a new path now even the nine even denial couldn't keep rachel's demons at bay on february 10th several hours after she had tweeted happy birthday skylar she posted another tweet i hate the shit i think about at night so on march 13th after the identity of the body had been scientifically verified by the fbi skylar's niece had skylar niece's death was made public still nothing about the circumstances of her death was revealed Dave and Mary had already been told a month earlier without details about what happened to her. They don't know. And they had a, I guess they didn't want to really tell them about the details because when they did find her body, they found the body, but they, the head was detached from the body. They think of some wildlife animals because I know Sheila and Rachel did not do that, but they think some, because it's been there so long, wild animals had detached the head somehow. So the head was, they eventually found the head later but they did, they did not want to tell the family this. As a matter of fact, when they did finally come and detach it, I was on some of the documentary I listened to, they, they had a little giggle about it because she kissed, he, the father, Dave, had kissed a bag, and the mother, Mary, was like, you just kissed her feet. <laughs> then he went, so they giggled about it. And, you know, but they had told a select few about that day. On one day, the announcement, Sheila bothered to tweet, Rest easy, Skylar. You'll always be my best friend. And then quickly return to business as usual. Rachel posted several more tweets later. Rest in peace, baby. I love you. Miss you more than anything. May you finally have justice. Keep in mind, this is Sheila who is tweeting all these things, even though she is the one who did it. Now, I mean, she's at this point, she's allegedly, but we all know she did. On May 1st, as had been agreed, Rachel surrendered herself to the authorities had her first day in court she was transformed from juvenile detention area to adult status as per west virginia law and then by this time pennsylvania was not filing charges it was staying in west virginia even though it happened in pennsylvania and she pled guilty to the murder of skylar niece she agreed to testify against sheila in any trial in exchange for the prosecution rep the prosecution representing the state of west virginia agreed to recommend you get a nice vacation to the West Virginia facilities for 20 years for second-degree murder, which may been, have been yielding another 20 to 40 years, but Pennsylvania agreed not to prosecute. So she could have spent time in West Virginia, then went to Pennsylvania, but Pennsylvania agreed not to prosecute her after hearing the plea agreement. So, yep, she got to spend 20 years in Hotel West Virginia with... Probate parole after 10. So after she began to Northern Region Juvenile Detention Center in Wheeling.
So while this was going on, Sheila, on the other hand, and by the way, when she made her final statement, she said she was sorry about it. And in short, Dave, Skyler Nisa's father, said you could take that, you know, apology and sin on because it's not worth nothing to me. Because you did not have, she said she was stuck. Sheila, Rachel said she was in a situation where she couldn't, you know, she couldn't control. She did not want to be in. But her dad was like, yes, you wanted to be there. And you can take that apology and sin on it. Well, okay, but while this was going on, Sheila was at, you know, Cracker Barrel having dinner with her mother, anticipating the news of Rachel's incarceration would be soon out. State Trooper Gaskins and Special Agent Spurlock drove to arrest Sheila at her home on, however, no one was there. So Gaskins called Tara to see where Sheila, you know, said she, he didn't say she was going to be arrested, but she needed to be questioned. So Tara mentioned that they were eating at the Cracker Barrel and that she'll be bringing Sheila home for questioning later. But the investigators then sent the nearest patrol to prevent them from leaving. The patrol in intercepted the EDs at the Cracker Barrel parking lot as they were leaving for leaving the dinner, leaving the diner. And once Gaskin and Spunlock arrived at the scene, Gaskin arrested Sheila for the murder. She was then taken to the juvenile center in Parksburg, Pennsylvania, at West Virginia, Parkersburg. Soon after Sheila's arrest, news media across the nation started reporting that Rachel Schaff, an unnamed juvenile, had been arrested for the murder of Skylar Niece. News quickly spread across Morgantown and University High, where students who had once considered themselves Rachel's friend and had defended her from intestine accusations were shocked at the truth finally to hit them. In fact, during this, Skylar Niece's father actually also defended Sheila because she was, they knew her, it was like a daughter to him. And he pleaded with the police, please stop harassing this girl. She, are, she We lost our daughter, she lost her best friend. Please leave her alone. But yeah, if they had believed it before Rachel's signature, uh, a guilty plea. So yeah, it was finally released to the public. Removed all doubt. While officials could not name Sheila as the second suspect, no, nothing prevented the public from co conducting their own investigation. News ball from the first website to name a juvenile as Sheila Edie. So she's on the news right now. So finally, on September 4th, Sheila Edie was transferred, transferred to adult status. That meant authorities could publicize her name. Her arrangement, arraignment was held on September 17th, where she pled not guilty to the charges of murder, kidnapping, and conspiracy. And the judge set the trial for October 22nd. Her behavior attracted attention who attention Dave who was also in the courtroom that day thought Sheila was smiling during the first arrangement she was smiling I guess she didn't really know her court courtesy whether she was still smiling or she was just smiling to mock or signal to everybody okay is unknown she they don't know why she was smiling but it's clear to her attorney had failed to teach her proper courtroom behavior so they're really thinking that she didn't even care about it all. She was not taking it seriously, but maybe he had. But Sheila, as a 17-year-old girl, was overwhelmed by the situation and did not know how to react. When she re reappeared in court at the pretrial motions hearing a month later on October 15th, she was clearly more subdued. She, her attorney, Michael Benninger, made her several motions, including motions to have the trial venue moved to a different county to have Rachel's testimony suppressed. 
based on her mental issues, she, mental health issues, to set a bail and have the trial moved to a later date. Judge Judge Russell Cloggs, C-L-A-W-G-S, denied most of the motions, but agreed to move the trial date to February of 2014, later to January 28th. You know, rescheduled January 28th, so earlier, with another pre-trial hearing to be held before that. As the hours of Sheila's pre-trial hearing on January 22nd was nearing, rumors began to circulate on the internet that Sheila Eady was going to throw in the towel and plead guilty. The hearing was broadcast live on the internet. As soon as she entered the courtroom, the rumors were confirmed. In stark contrast to the previous court appearance, Sheila started sobbing as soon as she sat down, before the trial had even begun. Often she clung to her attorney for support, and she hadn't realized it before, but now she knew she was at the end of her line. Her attorney explained to the court that after hearing roughly, you know, ex thoroughly examined all the evidence, it cannot, he could not come with a reasonable defense for her actions, which had challenged the force of Rachel's, you know, testimony. So she, he couldn't figure out, he goes, Your Honor, she's guilty. I cannot come up with no reasonable reason why she's not. So noble but typical Sheila did not she did not apologize merely relying through her attorney you know to apologize to the Edie family and of course the her father Skylar niece's father had talked and Skylar's mother could not speak but that's the same thing with Sheila but her sister did but she made no statement most of her answers were either yes sir or no sir from Sheila only time she spoke more than two words when judge asked her about her level of education. She did the absolutely minimum. In exchange for her plea, the prosecution agreed for a sentence to, you could go to the West Virginia Hotel and enjoy your stay for 15 years to life. And to Pennsylvania, agreed not to press charges on her as well. So it was just West Virginia. So after the trial, Dave Neese swore that he'd be at every parole hearing to make sure Sheila will never walk free. So Rachel's sentences hearing began on February 2nd. We already told you about all that. So, but that was my notes. And that is also the murder of Skylar Niece. I'm sorry if it was rough at times listening to me. I'm just reading my notes. But if you enjoyed that, thank you. Always share with a friend, rate, review, any way you can. You can follow me on social media as a truck stop murder. That's on Facebook, on my private group. And I'm always welcoming people. They're also on YouTube. If you like to go on YouTube, I'm trying to get a thousand subscribers on it so I could go live on there. And I go also on my TikTok. You want to follow me on TikTok on sceneries and cemeteries, which, I, like I said, I travel around the United States. I'm always finding places of videos on TikTok. But because I'm trying to get the thousand subscribers on YouTube, hopefully I can start doing that on that channel as well instead of maybe adding some video. But yeah, write and review also on iTunes. If that would, you could go write and review on that. I, somehow I keep hearing that it helps y'all build. Yep. And I do promise this year, this sub, this episode is kind of rough at times. Probably listen to me talk, but I don't do much as editing as a truck driver. I work 14 hours a day, so editing is kind of rough for me. Finding time, I barely have time to research more or less, do research and recording. So. As it's the first time recording, I don't do much editing, so you get what you get. If you don't like it, then you can get. But if you want to email me, it's truckstopmurder at gmail.com. And as always, thank you for listening. 
look forward to seeing you on my next or hearing from you on my next episode. And as I always say, you can't fix stupid, but you can sure numb it with a two by four. I'm out of here. Thank uh-huh.